Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And we are back in full effect. It's the spring season, so that means it's Tiger season. Right now, they have a chance to win the championship. And when we talk about championships, we're also talking about the ingenuity. And you know I love the black community. You know I love the creativity. And you also know I love black business. And today I have somebody that's helping connect so many black businesses, but Detroit businesses as well, because that's what the brand is. But anything Detroit between me and you, we talking black people as well. Miss Coakley, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kari. How are you? Everything is everything. You see, I'm excited as usual. (laughs) This has been a conversation where uh, usually we're back and forth and we're coming from different angles and business perspectives and financing and everything. But that's a conversation people got to see when we're at the distillery or someplace out and about <laughs> in the Eastern market. And then you can see different perspectives of how business comes together. Today, we're going to learn your story, your yes. Detroit story, and how you connect to the city of Detroit. So let's kick off. Um, your family, Detroit. How did your family come about to Detroit? So my mother and father were both born here in the city of Detroit. Actually, my father was born off of Mount Clare Street, off of Mac. Okay. Um. Favorite area. I miss my grandmother and my grandfather, Mm. by the way, because they're no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And my mother grew up actually on Springle in the Mm. city of Detroit. I was actually conceived in San Antonio, Texas, um, where my father was actually in the service at that time. I figured that. And they came back here after shortly of me turning one years old. So um, I've been here since I was the age of one. Okay. I only know the city of Detroit. <laughs> I got you. And if people still on that black hole, and you back like, you know, that's that Texas thing where you do something <laughs> off. Your family looking at you like, mm, Yeah, that that's something. that Texas that, thing. That Texas water is like, you, you, you're not hitting the electric slide right. <laughs> Detroit isn't funny. Um, so with that, you said your 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 parents were born here, your, mm-hmm. your grandparents. Yes. Um, father's side, did they first come like in, or where where are they from? So my grandfather was actually from Boston. Oh. Uh, my grandmother is actually born and raised here. And so he met my beautiful grandmother, Beatrice Clove, um, mm. who he married. And they were together forever. Till I, she died when I was the age of two years old. My oh. great-great-grandmother, I didn't have the chance of meeting mm-hmm. her. But she was actually a maid for the Ford family. Wow. And, you know... Some people say, oh, that's awesome. And some people think it's like, oh, that's terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just it's just a start, right? It showed how we as women can be professional in our family. My grandmother, uh, which was her mother, uh, my grandmother actually owned her own catering company. And everyone knew my grandmother. So some of me is in her with all of the promotions that I be doing as far as event planning, de- event decor. I get that from my grandmother. Okay, and you definitely have a touch in that. I've seen you do things yeah. from political fundraisers to just events for the DGC, Detroit mm-hmm. Economic Growth Corporation, if people are wondering. That's our connection to how we met. Yes. But before we unpack that, you, you, you touched on something that's very unique to American history. Mm-hmm. Uh, black people from Boston have a different, it's a different bop. It's a different bounce. Yeah. And not just new edition, even though uh, definitely when I think Boston and black people, the first thing I think is those boys from Roxbury. <laughs> but it's just a it's a different feel because that is one of the, as we say, anchoring cities of what America is. So mm-hmm. even when we think of the busing crisis and so many other things like like it, it kind of hits Boston differently. Mm-hmm. And it, they're a little different than New Yorkers. A lot different than New Yorkers. Don't okay, say a little. Here, here we go. Because my not, grandfather really was so, <laughs> like, no, my grandfather was so, he, he was a man. He was a God-fearing man, number one, him mm-hmm. and my grandmother. they done everything at the church, from hmm. feeding the people, from doing missionary work and helping people who need things. Um, my mother's mother was a whole total different person. Mm-hmm. And this is so weird because it's like looking at my dad family and where he come from versus Mm -hmm. my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Now, my grandmother, my mother's mother was had a gambling house. Mm. So to me, she lived on Springle and ran an entire gambling house 
where my mother and them literally as kids used to cook dinners, sell dinners, and that's how she fed us. Now, my grandmother wasn't from here on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was from Jacksonville, Arkansas. Wait, time out. I didn't even know there was a Jacksonville, Arkansas. Yes. Have and you ever li- been there? I've been there. How big is the city? It is very small, and all of my aunties <laughs> and ankle, uncles stay on the same street, uh-huh. literally. And if you do something, somebody's seeing you. So it's like they they'd be like, I can tell by that head you one of them. That's Kira. Kira, stop that. Get back up here. And it's all hills. And literally, it's not too far from Tennessee. That's how close it is to Tennessee. Okay. And when I tell you summer times where you used to go up there, I was like so out of place because you have to think like an inner city girl. Mm-hmm. And now you're around all these, I say country folk is what mm-hmm. they reference themselves as. Yes. And but I learned how to cook some of my dishes for my great auntie, my yeah. Aunt Pearl. So it's a mixture of different individuals that I watched and learned from. Um, I am very, very, very into, I call them geriatrics because I don't like saying older people mm-hmm. or elderly people. It's, but it's somebody from the DAAA right now just applauding what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but I love dealing with geriatrics because they have so much wisdom. So mm-hmm. my grand auntie in Arkansas, I used to talk to her a lot. I wish I could have had like a huge relationship with my grandmother before she passed, which was my father's mother. Um, I wish I could have had that relationship as well as with my great grandmother because everyone tells me, like, you have such an old soul. You kind of remind me of her because she used to do this and this and that. But it's also me being authentic to myself, right? Um, Is I am who I am because of those different women and because we're all from all over, right? Even though my mother was born here, is the baby of 13, Um, my father is the middle of Mm. only seven of them. But seeing them, seeing my grandmother and grandfather, and seeing my mother's mother, my mother's father was a master butcher, and that was Papa. Um, Mm. I couldn't do any wrong in Papa's eyes, and I don't want to cry, but that was my best friend. Wow. Um, I'll never forget the bicycle he bought me when I was five years old Mm. and literally he was like, here I got your bike, ran outside to see it in my pajamas. Mm -hmm. And on Mound Road is where he lived. The house is still there. But there used to be a store on a corner. And he said, when Melvin gets back, I want you to take this $5 bill and have him take you to the store to get you some candy. Literally, I rode my bicycle to the store, could not wait on Melvin, which was Mm. our next door neighbor. And went to the store, gave the man a $5 bill and was like, I want everything to go in the bag off the shelves. Mm -hmm. And I got in the store. I got home to my papa because at the time my mother was away. She used to work at a common lesson home. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, he took his cane. I thought he was asleep because he was in the chair like this. Mm -hmm. Took his cane. All of a sudden, hooked my little narrow leg, drug me to him, took the bag out my head and was like, Sit right here. Don't move till your mama get back. You know better. Very monotone. Did not yell at me anything. Mm-hmm. When my mother got home, I got the worst behind whooping ever because I went to the store on a bicycle in my nightgown. Mm. And I also got a whooping because I was supposed to receive $2.37 back. And the lesson of that was you never trust anyone with your money. You're supposed to go with exact change or you're supposed to know how much you're supposed to get back when purchasing something. Um, And I knew then, like, okay, I got to figure this money situation out because Papa is not going to play with me about giving people all of my money and not getting the proper change. And I asked my mother, why was he so upset and made him her not only take my candy back, but receive the money back from the store. And she said, Kira, it wasn't just the fact that you went in your nightgown, but it's the fact that people have taken from us over the years. Um, Hmm. And he doesn't like people taking from someone. Mm -hmm. He says the difference between me giving you Mm -hmm. and a difference between you're taking it. And I didn't know that my grandfather used to be, um, he was a licensed carpenter, Hmm. but couldn't receive work because, you know, they wanted who they wanted. Yeah. My grandfather, you with a li- as being a licensed carpenter, used to be on this street called Elijah McCoy and used to wait for this red pickup truck to pick him up for work. And literally, that meant he was getting 
underpaid yeah. what he was supposed to. He would mm. just get paid for that day, and he would bring all the money home um, to my grandmother. And so it wasn't really working out for him, which made him go into becoming a master butcher mm. because he couldn't make any mm. money as a licensed carpenter. And it's, it's unique that you tell that story is um, something coming up that'll be in this house. Uh, another one of my... Another one of my like people connected to the Talaferro family, uh, Chokwe Lumumba's family, and they were, uh, and uh, <laughs> Mama Talaferro or Shoshana was telling me the story. She was like, yeah, I want to talk. It's this documentary about everything happening in Black Bottom and 375 becoming a Greenway, and I'm going to tell the story about how my grandfather, very similar, mm -hmm. helped build the Davidson Freeway, which is so weird, America's first freeway, like over there. But mm -hmm. it was a lot of, because... Uh, the take now is like, okay, reparations need to be a larger lens than just what enslavement cost. Mm -hmm. It also needs to be for like what you're talking about, like the dual workplace. So there were a lot of black men working on building specifically that freeway and many other places and many other structures across Detroit and America itself, but were paid at day labor type rates. So like uh, in doing the same work, more than likely, just knowing in my gut how I know American history, probably the most dangerous stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And they're getting paid, I don't know, at the time, let's say, like, they're getting paid, you know, the $5 work week was uh, Henry Ford or $5 work day. They may have got paid, like, a dollar fifty for a white man, $6. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, still with that pride, the showmanship, the this is better than sharecropping attitude and I left the South for this and still as you said the mm -hmm. the, the ethics of coming home and giving that check to the family mm -hmm. this is a very commonplace story and that's what I love about Detroit is different we can like link collectively that mm -hmm. some of our backgrounds kind of bring us to where we are today yeah and so like I don't want to cry that's why my grandfather, my mother's father, left Arkansas because he was mm -hmm. licensed and he was coming up here to get a better job. Mm -hmm. And he thought he would be able to and send for my grandmother who was yeah. there with all the kids. Now, my mother, like her siblings are like six, 10 years, 15 years older than her. You said youngest of 13. Yes. So I imagine your aunts and uncles, it's like a whole, you have, you got a big family. I have a big family. Y'all can almost have a family reunion with them. With just the family. Yeah, I was yes. like, yeah, like for real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. And so my grandmother, the only reason she ended up coming up here was because she was molested mm. um, by a person of non-color. Mm. And she forced herself to move up here, left some of her children with wow. one of my great aunties who couldn't. So the older kids were left with my great auntie because she couldn't afford to bring them all. So she was actually running to get away from the law because yeah. she got raped. She hit the man in the head with some sort of bottle. Um, and I only know because of the story my mother told me. And she came up here to be with my grandfather. And, and and when you say this, this is another just commonplace story. I, I did mm -hmm. a story with uh, the oldest guest I've had on on Detroit is different. Uh, uh, so when we when we interviewed my, a friend of my auntie's, uh, she was telling the story of her mother mm -hmm. that ran with, as we're familiar, the, uh, the they were labeled as a gang, but gangs as we even know as today, like some of it is just the opportunities in front of people's faces, but mm -hmm. purple gang. Mm -hmm. uh, the Jewish gang was labeled as. Um, and and in that, in bootlegging and things like that, just what she dealt with of some of the violence back and forth. And, she, and her mother was murdered connected to that because mm -hmm. oftentimes you can look, if you look in these old newspapers, I mm -hmm. mean, go through the microfiche of in any, uh, any library across America. If you go back far enough, you're going to see a lot of these stories that say uh, dangerous Negro woman. Dangerous Negro woman mm -hmm. uh, on the run, on the run. Yes. And a lot of it was a, a woman defending herself from being assaulted or raped mm -hmm. as laws that are in place now were definitely not respected. And not just necessarily mm -hmm. for black women, even for white women at some point in time. Like mm -hmm. if you were a woman out, as they say, like just after dark and they knew that you were, did, you were 
quote unquote single woman mm-hmm. or didn't have your husband and if you were black it kind of didn't really matter like the dangers of it and then when women would fight back it would sometimes take those midnight night runs mm-hmm. getting up to another city changing yeah. your name you know some of us when you go through family history and then you you know you finally bury and you look at the family records it's like damn I didn't know that uh, <laughs> you know so and so is really this, this. Was a real name you know what yes I'm I know We're running from the Ku Klux Klan I didn't even know that yes you know? and that's how I find out about a lot of my family because mm-hmm. some of them did like their last names may be Copeland they changed the ending of their last name because they came somewhere else and maybe mm-hmm. got remarried and wasn't necessarily divorced from the other wife. Yeah. Or it was just because they were changing their names to be to avoid the law itself. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I say all of this to say is just because, like, I come from two different backgrounds, right? Yeah. Like, I have the professional set of grandparents that was, like, more so polished, very professional, very into church. And then I have my grandmother and my grandfather from my mother's side is really rough around the edges, right? And, and more along the life. And, and I think that's the beauty of a place like Detroit. Yes. Because it's 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 ethic in all sides. So, like, when you talk about, like, I guess, like, a, I guess they say, like, the nightlife parties. And, and, and I say, had this in the interview that I did with Mama Shu, which this will come out before, but we spoke about, because uh, she was saying that, yeah, you know, my mom would do the BNC parties. My parents, I gave this example. My parents met at a cola party, a cost of living adjustment party mm-hmm. in somebody's basement. And so, and if you get in some of these houses, you'll go in certain basements and it'll be like, damn, this is like a whole, whole nightclub night down here. Because that was something that would make the ends meet, the rents mm-hmm. parties, the and and even the number runners and the way that they were My a grandmother. A um, you know, the numbers runners were were lending institutions for most of the community. Yes. And that's how my grandmother raised 13 kids. When she came up here, now mm-hmm. the older ones, they were older, mm-hmm. like grown. Mm-hmm. In fact, Uncle Harry was on his way to the Army. Hmm. So when grandmother moved over here in the city of Detroit, it was like, okay, her and my grandfather's going to be together. Her and my grandfather, too, coming up here, figuring mm-hmm. out he wants something different from what he used to have with her, and they separated, which was fine. Mm-hmm. But... My mother was she. My grandmother was pregnant with my mother, mm. and so when she had my mother, they used to share, have to go back and forth mm-hmm. with my grandfather and my mother. But the beauty part about it is that my mother was never kept from my grandfather, mm. and vice versa. She can always he can always come to my grandmother, get the kids or whatever. It was nothing like how it is in today's world where, oh, you with that lady now, you can't see your kids. None mm. of that, and my mother. Um, I'll never forget this is that the reason why I told the story about me getting in trouble with my grandfather is because mm-hmm. we lived with my grandfather mm-hmm. at one point hmm. and um, he ended up dying of cancer, lung mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was like so influential in my life because like when my father would have to go away in a service, that's the man figure that I had to look up to. Wow. And Papa will always, like, never yell. I could be doing the, the most terriblest things, but Papa never yelled at me. Papa always had, like, a very monotone tone to him when talking with me. I don't know if it was because of the cancer or if it was just Papa. And when I tell you the stories he would tell me or he would tell me, like, you need to think about this. You need money is what drives the world. So you need to figure out how to make money. Don't make money by selling yourself or doing what people think. Stand on your own two feet and do things that you believe in, Hmm. not what somebody is enforcing you to believe in. He was very, very instrumental with the way that I think. That's in every dollar you need to make sure is going towards something and supporting your own. Hmm. He always used to say that to me. And as a little girl that's five, six, seven years old, you don't really know what that stuff means. But Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older and start to reflect, you know, on life, people who were very influential in my life, I hear his voice a lot. And so much so, this Christmas, um, (laughs) he came to me in my dream and Mm. said, I need you to come and visit me. Now, I remind you, I have never been to his grave site, and I'm terrified of going to yeah. a grave site. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's telling me, Kira, I need to see you. I need to talk to you. And I think he can see the stresses 
and the things that I'm under because of the type of program yeah, yeah. that I'm running and yeah. I'm afraid of failing. Like I feel like I have the world on my shoulders and it was so stressful because at the time I really didn't have the money to do what I needed to do in my program. Mm. And it was like, okay, I have this opportunity to do something somewhere else. Should I just walk away? Mm. And I went to see him hmm. and I sat and I was saying, Papa, I'm trying to change the way things think because I'm thinking of you. So me structuring this program the way that it is by Detroit, by the way, it's the name of the program. Me structuring it is because I'm thinking it's in the way I've thought of him, hmm. the way he thought things should have worked, how it should be so simple, how to hmm. be a voice for other people, how it's like. Also, not looking at all the trials and tribulations that it took to get here, but celebrating those wins, whether it's with one person or not. Because if you're able to make an impact on one person, that impact you made on him, what he used to always say, is it's going to be a trickle-down effect. Yeah. So as long as you can get to somebody and help them, then that means they're going to help somebody else. And then that somebody else mm -hmm. is going to remember what they did for them and help somebody else. And it, and it builds a standard. It yeah. builds it builds an ethic, a culture, uh, a sense of a, a moral compass, and this is what's so deep about just getting into this discussion. More point, more so, and and, and that's what I is it's unique that you have such a cultural. You have like a cultural, like collage in mm -hmm. your family alone of like mm -hmm. just seeing different ways and methods of doing things mm -hmm. uh, and, and how and then also that's the beauty of family and sometimes it definitely can be tough mm -hmm. but you still see through different people having different methods different ways different ways to connect that these people still work together to, to do certain mm -hmm. things to pull something off whether it be a Thanksgiving a child's birthday party um a family reunion, uh, and just so many different things. Showing mm -hmm. up at a graduation, an open house. Like, it's so much when you have a family full of these different looks at, like, one person with master's degrees, another person just straight from the streets. Mm -hmm. One person that's like, okay, I'm just kind of the person, not from the streets per se, but I'm in the hood. Mm -hmm. And I know the street people, but I like doing what I'm doing. I'm going to tend to my garden, and I'm there as people like that. And, and then... Then the wisdom of, of someone that served in the service and come back, which I, mm -hmm. I do think that a lot of the black men and women that have served have, especially if they've served tours, have a unique lens mm -hmm. of America and the world. Yeah. Um, I can honestly say that just because my father, he moved around a lot. My mm. father and I are so close, and mm. I love the way he is with my children. Mm. My father and my mother is still together, has been together for 37 years. That's good. Um, and the 40, because okay. I'm only counting how old I am, so let me take that back. She was like, oh, we was together three years before you, so let before me get that you. right. Yeah, we existed before yeah, you. Yes, so let me we make that right. In, so if my we mom living in sin. Yes. <laughs> So let me say this because if my mom sees this, she's going to have a fit like, no, we was together before you, honey. You was not even a thought. Mm -hmm. But um, my father was in Germany for two years. Mm. He was in the Desert Storm War. Mm. Um, and the thing about it is, is that my father is an extremely hardworking man. Mm -hmm. So, but he used to, we wasn't, you know, rich or anything. Yeah. We wasn't even middle class. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I didn't even know we had financial issues because my mother was a stay-at-home mom. She mm -hmm. ended up becoming that because of the lupus. Mm -hmm. Before, when she was doing the CNA work, working at a convalescent home, you know, my grandmother, and this is when I was a baby, would keep me. But at the age of two, I lost her, and that was my mm -hmm. father's mother. And so I only was able to see from my dad's side, like, the hardworking people, the professional people. Mm -hmm. And all the ma the male in his family typically got jobs at four if they okay. wanted them. Um, with the exception of my cousin, Derek Beeler, who decided, like, no, I want to go work for DTE. Okay. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to work in automotive. My father didn't want to work in automotive. And they had the opportunity to because that's the Ford family and agreed. That connected to. Yes. And, see, and sometimes it's like that seed that creates another seed. Yeah. It's like we don't know like when, you know, when, you know, when, when 
with with your daughter is like, you know, God knows what. It's like your daughter got a friend that's in the media or something, and then by that I'm 15 years down the line, fresh out of college, and it's like, just call Kari. Yes. be like, hey, what you doing? All right, I got you. Yeah. And then they're like, man, I can't believe that you know people like this. And Mm -hmm. it's like, because this relationship was seeded. Way before Way before. But they wanted to change the trajectory of that and do different things. Yeah. And make it on their own. And I think that was the men really on my dad's side of the family. But that still, that still speaks to, but knowing you have an opportunity in a, in a, in a, in a door to open mm-hmm. can can encourage you to go to to, to open other doors, mm-hmm. but it also is a consciousness of not feeling like like a lot of our people can feel as though there are no opportunities. Yeah, because we can paint ourselves in certain corners, and this is actually where I feel like I'm saying something that you would say to me. Like, it is easy to do that. America can play a trick on you and on all people because it, it, I work in marketing, like. You know, you turn on the TV, it's looking like everybody and everything else is like just instant. It's like it's, it's, it's a nine year old that just is on TikTok that just became <laughs> a billionaire just from doing dances. And you like, damn, what am I doing with my life? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is going on? But that's how <laughs> that's what this machine makes you makes you see. Mm-hmm. It doesn't show you the probably like the the the. 45 years worth of media consulting and training that possibly the mother and the father of who this nine-year-old is Or the sexual harassment that you've had to go through or the integrity part that's being tested or you being downgraded because you are not as polished as someone, but you have the same talent and beyond smarter than them. Mm -hmm. Or because you don't have certain acronyms behind your name, you are actually closed out of certain things and it's like okay i don't have those acronyms but you still have to come to me for x y and z because you got the juice and and that's let's get in more into your story your high high school high school what what's your journey so I did attend college. Okay, and, um, I graduated. And I get into that too, but I want to talk high school for we got to start neighborhood. So I graduated first. from Martin Luther King Junior Senior High KC, School. Hi, a King. crusader. It's I people, am a cr- crusader. It's, 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 it's cast technicians like ah, throw, <laughs> they throwing a water bottle at, yes. the, at, the, at their at their phone right now. Well, you can, you can throw the water bottle. Yes, I did come from King. Yes, I am happy I went to King. But I didn't start at King. I actually started at Crockett Technical High School ah, before Crockett okay. actually no longer exists. Mm-hmm. They actually had a high school and the mm-hmm. vocational part. Yes. I initially wanted to become a registered nurse, um, mm-hmm. something that my mother dreamed of. And you know how you're trying to follow in your parents' footsteps yes. or something they want you to do was not for Kira. You, um, you, you were looking at that and it was like, Mm-mm, I become too attached. <laughs> Working at Children's Hospital, volunteering. I volunteered at Children's mm-hmm. Hospital. I also volunteered at the Carmano's mm-hmm. department. And in, in, um, at the time, it used to be called Harper. Now it's separated between Heartland and all of that. The it's different a whole names. world over there. Over in DMC. Yeah. So I was volunteering a lot okay. at the DMC. And I had one patient that actually died on me while cleaning oh. him. Oof. And so I broke yeah, down. Probably, yeah, as a, as a teenager, that's a lot to That's take. a lot to deal with. Yeah. And I had told my mother, absolutely I'm not. I'm on this. And mm. I'm going to say the terminology I use, because my mother popped the mess out of me for it. I said, I am not going to be wiping asses and people dying on me for a living. I, I, well, sometimes you got to make <laughs> it plain, as they say. <laughs> right. So K- King, and I started, people know, I'm, crow- I'm a proud Northwestern coat. My first two years was at King. I didn't fit that MSAT program. Northwestern was like oh, perfect for me. Oh, why didn't you? What, where, what program were you in at King? So, I was in CPLA because I transferred mm. from, Crockley, from Crockett did you, did, to King. So, so did you take, so for people that knows, King is a, as they say, school of choice, meaning that there are three programs. CPLA is what they say, like, it's the neighborhood school. And I spent most of my time with the kids from King Homes, mm-hmm. as people say, or Riverside, yep. when I was at King. And it was like, why are you in the nerd program but hanging out with them? I'm like, I don't know. They cool. They cool. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, that's the best tuck game. You yes. Know? So, um, but... I had DECA. I had like a lot of CISC stuff. I yes. really think I should have been in CISC, which is a program that's really built for businesses and mm-hmm. business training. Like I almost would, uh, 
I was I was very liberal with my attendance in certain classes, but never <laughs> <laughs> liberal. I was liberal. What but, made me want to join? So before uh, even going to Crockett, before even going to King, mm. I actually used to go to Airy E Academy for eighth grade, eighth, mm. seventh, and sixth grade. I went to Rashard Elementary, mm-hmm. and then when Mr. Perry started Area E, I ended up at Area E. I'm not transferring. What Area E? Get, break it so, down. So Area E was the name of the school. Area E Academy, and we used to have drama and dance class and all of that there. Mr. Sumner, um, I have actually got my first role in The Wiz as a poppy. Now, you know, mm-hmm. poppies was just super cute, really didn't mm-hmm. say much, but just were coming off the stage. But that was my first time actually being in a play. Okay. Well, which is so weird is that that same year, I ended up start playing football. For the East Side Raiders, I was the only. You was a Raider. I was a Raider, number forty-eight. Not a Raider girl. Okay. I'll have to show you a picture. Um, Number forty-eight. I remember. See, Um, see, this is this is why we this is why we go back and forth. I'm an original Cub. Oh gosh! And see, Cub. What's funny about that? (laughs) What is so funny about that is the Cubs did not want me to play because I didn't have a cup. I literally had to sit out that game. Because you as Cubs wouldn't let me play because hey, hey, I didn't hey, have a hey. cup. Sweet, sweet, red and white. No, they knew I was going to dog them. That's why they didn't want me to play. So the Cubs were weak <laughs> at that time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I played for the Eastside Raiders, and our mm-hmm. practice used to be at Martin Luther King. And I used to tell them, mm-hmm. like, this is the high school I was going to. Yeah. And my mother was like, no, you're not going there. You're going to wear uniforms. You are going to Crockett. Okay. You're going to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And my mother quickly saw I did good in school. But it just um, wasn't your fit. It was not my fit. So King fit you more. What what yes. um did you get involved in some of that? Because it was a lot of business classes there. I didn't get involved in any of None that. None of the business. What, what, None what of that. Were you, what, what I just you wanted with? to go to regular high school and be with regular people. So you just were like one of those people that's like, look, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm a... I want to be a teenager. Yes. Which is also a, a cool perspective, too. That's because what I wanted to be. Life Life, it, it on boards. You know? It on boards. And you have to mm-hmm. think, like, my mother was a stay-at-home mother, mother mm-hmm. so I couldn't get into nothing. I couldn't sneak <laughs> and do anything. You, you, you got to understand you this. You weren't liberal with some of your attention. No, I wasn't liberal <laughs> because my mother at the time, I had a boyfriend who was a senior, and I'm in 11th grade. My mother used to call the school Hilarious. and be like, is Kira Copley in class right now? And my, and then literally, they'll be on the PA oh. asking my teacher, oh. like, is Kira Copley in class? And oh, I didn't know. Clown. Yes. I didn't know <laughs> when she was going to call, but she did. But I had great friends um, in King that... Um, you know, you mature, you grow separate ways. But mm-hmm. at the time, they were great friends to me. Okay. Um, and I loved them so much. And then I began to evolve, evolve as mm-hmm. a young adult. I began to know who Kira was by my 12th grade year because I was still searching for me. I was kind of awkward because I used to play football with all the boys. And now I'm more shapely, right? Mm-hmm. It's not shapely where, like, some of the other girls would be. I'm muscle-bound from running track and mm. cross country and playing football. So like I'm looking like a woman, mm. but also looking kind of manly mm-hmm. because I used to lift weights and things. So I kind of fit into a T with the boys, but I didn't really fit in with the ladies mm-hmm. at school, you know? And so I found myself either having to fight mm. at school mm-hmm. Um and I also found myself being ostracized, you know, from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see. Um, that's Detroit's culture is mm-hmm. that they do a lot of ostracizing people. Mm-hmm. And instead of us bringing, I know you can't take everyone along, but those who deserve to go along and who has put in the work, I believe they should be brought along in certain mm-hmm. places. And I also feel you know, as people, because we are talking culture too a little yeah. bit, is that we tend to want to keep everything for self and not share. And I think part of that is also the perspective of um, the lens and how we see see the world is presented to us. Um, mm-hmm. One of my biggest key, as I've gone back and forth with so many people that are like, I'm anti-capitalism, I'm anti-capitalism, which, which I understand 
the premise, but my thought process is I'm I'm anti white supremacy, and I've seen it in in all lenses: socialism, mm-hmm. communism. Uh, you know, so it's like I'm anti white supremacy, but one of the one of the key factors into capitalism that does burn me, and, and me and my any economic professor, we always go back and forth about this. <laughs> It's we scarcity. might go back and forth. It's scarcity. So scarcity the base, is a thing. The basis of scarcity and, and the way that it's presented where I think a lot of people embrace it and view it. And then the creation of scarcity creates the idea of to hoard and to never share, which mm-hmm. I think is not necessarily, definitely it's not culturally what is closer to our people. It's not culturally what's, 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 what's shared of, of African being in abundance and, and what naturally is. It's so like, as you learn more of these principles, like, Hey, it's about scarcity. It can distort the ways of like what you say to almost like button up and never give anything away. Cause you start feeling as though that's my idea and that's mm-hmm. my thing. And I don't want nobody else to do it. Cause I did it. Or like just something as simple as the other day I'm in the store and then the guy said, Hey man, where you get that sweatshirt? I was like, I got it from Dick sporting goods. And then somebody else is like, I don't never tell nobody where I get my stuff. And it's like, damn dude. Like, I mean, it's, it's, free like, it's a store. You don't own it. It's, it's a, a store. store. Like, and I mean, that's what I know. hate. That's one thing. Why, what I kind of, Make sure I embed in myself everything that I'm learning Mm -hmm. because this is still learning for me, right? Where I sit at today, I'm still learning, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm still learning because I was ignorant to the fact that racism did exist. Mm. That's because my parents never taught me race. Mm. They wanted me to see who people, treat people for who they are and what they show you, Mm -hmm. right? Treat them how, how they treat you. That doesn't mean if they treat you like an ass, you treat them like an ass. No, that's somebody you separate yourself from. What it means is is that we all have the same thing running through our body, the same type of veins, same mm-hmm. blood, same kind of systems that makes our body operate, meaning we need a heart in order to live, right? It needs to be pumping. You need your brain needs to be functioning because if it's not functioning, mm-hmm. your heart won't function or any of that. I feel like you're about to quote the whiz again. I'm no. About to <laughs> I'm just, I'm just oh, <laughs> but you need, all, right, we all as humans uh, have these things, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, I treat people as people. But then I begin to live a little longer. Mm-hmm. And then I begin to see, like, oh, that's, that's not right. And mm-hmm. then I talk to someone like a Miss Sheila, who's a, a geriatric to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's in her 70s, okay? Mm-hmm. Beautiful lady, older lady, but a beautiful lady who was in, in a professional setting, right? Like mm-hmm. my family, I don't come from a family of professionals, right, who yeah. I have access to. So I will always go to her. And ask her certain questions. She was like, you don't see nothing wrong with that? I'm like, yeah, I see something wrong with what they said. But, I mean, that's just them, right? And she says, no, that's a derogatory term towards you. That is racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and when you see it and having, I mean, it's this is where I definitely have such a competitive advantage growing up in African-centered schools. Uh, my father being a CPA and an entrepreneur. My, my grandfather being... Oh, man, my grandfather was such a great business person, and I've told mm-hmm. stories about him. It's like, that's where I feel like I have, like, an inside track that a lot of other people just don't, don't see because it's, like, mm-hmm. it's it's oozed around and been around me. The same way I feel like now, knowing in your story, you have such an inside track of these different black experiences and faces just from your family alone. So you're meeting, and then I guess we can really open the door of kind of what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you help. So I don't even want to use that term help because that's 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 underselling really what you do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of businesses that need access to what I call the machine. It is a functionality in how economics in America function. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I speak of white supremacy and things like that, it's just the structure of this nation and how it was built. So it's like mm-hmm. you, it's hard to deconstruct it when it the whole concept of of the labor, the land, the 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 the, the, the each institution, even the mm-hmm. ones that say we're anti-racist, are are because the the foundations of them are still from that platform and framework. Now, with that being said, there are still many opportunities to exploit and take advantage of here. Mm-hmm. This is the foundation of, I mean, Detroit, the home of the Nation of Islam, the mm-hmm. home of uh, Pan-African Christianity, uh, the mm-hmm. Shrine of Black Madonna, the home of, um, you know, uh, 
I mean, w when you think of like the the great, brilliant business mind, uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Brazelton's flowers and, and the way that he funded and started so much, not just with the NAACP, but the uh, Black Chambers of Commerce and Booker T. Washington mm -hmm. Associations. But with that, you still need to understand and navigate whose field you playing in. Mm -hmm. The analogy I usually use is I play pickup basketball as a kid. We're the kid coming in a neighborhood that it's not our neighborhood and we play in backyard. We're playing in somebody else's backyard. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're going to change out of bounds. Yep. They're going to tell us what the rules are. Mm -hmm. Something's going to be a foul for us that went and foul for them. Yes. And it's just, this is just what we have to, I don't want to say accept as much as understand. Mm -hmm. When we understand it, now you can navigate it more. You yes. are one of the gateways to navigating businesses to get to a higher capacity. Mm -hmm. And when I say higher capacity, meaning that if you are a person that makes, uh, you could be a contractor, you could be a builder, you could be a producer, you could be a supplier. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at saying, like, I really want to get in the game and make a million-dollar contract, be careful what you ask for. Mm -hmm. This woman can help you get that million-dollar contract, but then you have to really ask yourself and face yourself in the mirror and say, am I ready Exactly. For being in this position. But like the 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 because you're going to need a certain amount of attorneys, insurance, mm -hmm. agents, managers, uh, like real human resource stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't it can't be like, hey, I think my cousin sort of do that. It can't you be that. that you need to have things on paper and you need to have project management. You need to have flow charts. It needs to be designed. Mm -hmm. It needs to be planned out. You're going to understand systems. You need to understand, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how how things on board, if, if it's shipping capacity, mm -hmm. where things go logistically. If a shipment drops off, where to pick up that shipment, shipment from and how to produce again because you're going to be forwarded a certain amount mm -hmm. of money and things are functioning. And it's a lot of names, faces, people, places and pressure on the line. Yes. You're one of those people that can get people there because I've seen you do it. Yes. I've seen I saw a couple businesses. I don't want to give certain names where it's like <laughs> they reopened. They opened up like four different shops across the city and they were like a restaurant in one place for like. 30 years, and then it's like, okay, you really want to get across the city? Bam, I'm going to give the ball to you where now you got four locations. Mm -hmm. What can you do to it? What can you do with it? You have some good chicken? You think people like your fish? Mm -hmm. You think you make some good greens and cornbread? Can you replicate that model and get it across all of the city of Detroit? And not necessarily about all around the city of Detroit, also mm -hmm. taking it to other states, yeah. right? One of the goals of By Detroit is not just to just serve our suppliers right now, right? Mm -hmm. What I want to do with this program is help shape, mold, and develop these businesses and let them move along with the program. Move along so much so as after they've exhausted all of the resources in the program, they no longer need a By Detroit to assist them, right? A program like By Detroit to assist them, where now they got things in place where they can operate, and now they have four and six, four or five or six or seven locations across the United States. The goal of procurement initiatives, and this is, I believe, around the world, and it's especially because I hear other procurement managers or procurement CPOs is where it's like they're saying, the goal is to, for us to procure within the United States. We want to be able to buy more things locally, right? We want to be able to buy things so first, more in the United States. First, for the Detroit is different listener. <laughs> we, just, we, just went, we just went business school on you. <laughs> what is procurement? So procurement is a term, a term that is used when one is purchasing something from you. So that means when you have an opportunity for people to purchase goods and or services from you as a business. The term they use is procurement. And in that itself is, to me, I say, that's your moneymaker. You want to be able to have PO, meaning purchase orders agreements with different businesses and different companies. Let me tell you this, all opportunities is not meant for you. You need to understand who is your target audience. You need to understand who should you be selling all of your product and goods and services to, and how can you do that? Should I take it to where now I'm? Should it's time for me to either franchise this model because it's getting too much for me to run full time? Where you, as a franchisee owner, can set the rules of how someone purchases your business to implement it somewhere else. You can have the whole playing field to that. Mm -hmm. It's all about what it is you want to do for your business. 
Most people don't understand that small businesses is what drives the economy. In order for this economy to keep flowing, we need businesses like you to keep getting access to opportunities because small business owner, let's be clear, you are the middle class, honey. You are the middle class. All right. So this is what's so like powerful about what you just kind of went into about just that process of making sure that a business can get to a national scope, a mm -hmm. national base, whether looking at it from franchising. So like replicating what you do specifically or staying on board and overseeing the operations mm -hmm. of what it is. Getting businesses there as much as just the natural thing is like, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You think you're ready. But being there and even having that type of talent. And this is where we we can this is really where you're going to get a, a, a Kira Kari conversation now, because I think. You know, when you have your baby, these businesses are like you giving birth to something. Mm -hmm. It's your baby. And, 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 and you it's so hard not to want to step in every step of the way. But you're going to have to give up. Some of what you feel is yours. To, and welcome in other energies if you want to expose what you're doing to more people. How have you helped people get to that point and see that vision without being so possessive, as you say, and just holding on to something so that it can touch other stages and platforms? So part of it is this, Corey, is that I'm Kira 100 percent of the time. That means what you see is what you get. How I speak may not be how you speak. I am me 100 percent of the time. And I put me first. I put me first because it takes all of me to be able to invest into somebody else. And mm. once I give you my time, that means I care about you. I'm a very accessible person. These businesses have my, my personal cell phone number. Mm -hmm. So much so, I can put together curriculum all day long for them to participate in and get specific trainings. But I also make sure those trainings that's available to them is something of tangent coming out of them where they can have something solid to go back to to refer to than other than a video replaying that we store on our website for them to see like, okay, this is me replaying the course that I took. No, you have me at the table, one, to help show you where your gaps are, to help you figure out how to fill them in. So much so, I have a company, Best Practice Consulting Services. That's Laura Sigma who owns that company. Mm -hmm. I have her do business assessments on these companies, and it shows where they are from a capacity standpoint, and it shows where they're lacking. We also give them a recommendation sheet as what their next step should be. This We don't just give them that and say, you're gone. Go. We have programming to help them with that. If it's not our program, we have other organizations that we par par partner with, like the Tech Towns, the Bills, all of those organizations, Prosper Us, Invest Detroit for funding, right? We have partners that we work to work with, but they also understand where Kira sits and who Kira is, is that I'm not going to let you take advantage of my business. If they don't need a $250,000 loan, my recommendation is that they don't get $250,000. <laughs> my recommendation is, is instead of giving them a loan, give them a line of credit. A line mm. of credit meaning that that's something they only pay back how much they use. They mm. don't have to pay back the full $250,000 that they may have because they didn't use all of it, right? Mm -hmm. You... I'm trying to train businesses to think like a business. Prime example, I went to get my hair re-fried and laid and done up, as my mm -hmm. father would say. Mm -hmm. um, and this business owner, she owns the shop. The gentleman that was doing my hair didn't own the shop. Mm -hmm. But she's having troubles in her business. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, is she does the hair but doesn't understand the business side of things, right? Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, you'll be shamed of how much I make. I said, no, 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 I'm not ashamed of how much you make. You are ashamed and you shouldn't be ashamed. But this is where you need to think. I'm sitting in this space and I told the young lady that I would help her for free because that's who I am. I'm not going to let her fall, but I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to help take you down the road. But what I'm not going to do is baby you and say hey it's time for you to get up today it's time for you to restart that's not key i want to be i'd be on businesses how my parents were on me you need to get your behind up and get to school kira that's how i am mm -hmm. with these business owners i'm with them like that because i want them to see what i see in them mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And some of these businesses that's been here for 25, 30 years, that's why I'm choosing to work with existing businesses because nobody took the time out Mm -hmm. to focus on them. And and this kind of goes back into, like I say, like being black and in business, our lens and our interpretation of scarcity, I think, creates what I call the hustling mindset. It's like survival attitude. So yes. like it, it thinking like a hustler, and I got a lot of homies, and I sometimes do projects with them where they think like hustlers. So it's easy, especially for my hip-hop background, to know it. And and to me, the difference between a hustler and a business person, even though you can have hustle in your business or yes. a hustler's attitude in business, is mm-hmm. a hustler's trying to maximize the amount of money they can make like immediately. Yes. So like a hustler, like here's classic hustle, you know, uh, for lack of better terms. Uh, UPS truck falls over, uh, uh, a bunch of iPhones spatter across in front of your house. You just snatch up a bunch of iPhones and you sell 100 iPhones today for $300 a pop. Mm-hmm. That's $300 grand. On Tuesday, those same hustlers hear about, hey, man, my homegirl uh, got this hair show convention and she's saying, like, if you want to help her sell uh, sell hair spritz at her booth, you can get down there and she'll give you uh, $200. And it's like a free trip to Atlanta. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Without thinking to themselves, damn, I just made about, I made some G's yesterday. Why don't I sit, think about a process where I'm not waiting on a happenstance thing like some iPhones falling over mm-hmm. to fall in my lap again to maximize my amount of money? Let me build a process. Hence, that's the business part of it is building the process. Mm-hmm. And in building a process, you're going to trust other people. You're going to trust other things. It's different than a hustle. Hence, when hustles come, they come fast and they move fast. But I'm going to stop you right there because what's embedded and key is mm-hmm. that I have both. I have the business side and the hustle side to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to intertwine the two to be able to get what it is is necessarily needs done. And And that's why I'm sitting in this seat because I'm sitting in this seat because I'm the voice for you all as businesses. I'm Mm -hmm. the voice and the connector to be able to put you in front of those people who you Mm -hmm. may not necessarily been able to get in front of. But before Key take you, Key gonna make sure you got everything in line before you go up there and make yourself look like a fool or make me look like a fool. We gonna work together to make sure it's airtight. And and, and all I was gonna say is like, I think it does take, I mean, being black in the business space, you're gonna have have a little of both because it will be some opportunities that fall in your lap. And, And let me say this too, when I speak of opportunities and we have one another person just in the studio right now where it's oozing and she definitely I know wants to hop in on this but she'll get in <laughs> later my miss Jennifer Crawford of all things Detroit coming up soon <laughs> and I wanted to make this connection but um, that's how it is so usually the opportunity is a pivot for me I feel meaning mm-hmm. like what you planned didn't work out like you wanted it to. So if you're so focused on business process, you're like, we don't have the funding and 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 this didn't happen and, and COVID affected this and that mm-hmm. happened. But you got to have some hustle in you to be like, okay, so since I don't have that, what new opportunities exist for me to hustle and shift it? How do I, how do I take what I thought? And yes, I know that, I know we worked for seven months and, and every, it, we had A through Z plus Plus double Z on paper, but obviously, you know, uh, B through Z didn't come and I ain't about to not make this happen. So I could tell you an example of that. This program, Mm -hmm. I didn't have the funding to do by Detroit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the support to do by Detroit. And here I am working at the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, and I have no support in doing a procurement program at all. Mm-hmm. I initially started at the DEGC as an executive assistant. Mm-hmm. That's the lowest pay on the totem pole, okay? Started there, moved to small bits, started there working for five different executives, running their programs, telling them about their projects. And it took someone that did not look like me to come in there and say, oh, no, she don't belong in this space. You need to get out of here. You need to figure out how you get her on the ground running Mm -hmm. because she has a voice and it needs to be heard. It took somebody that didn't look like me and believed in what I saw. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this. The people who hire me at DEGC, hi, hi Olga, hi, Wayman, hi, um, Malik. I'm sorry I stumbled over your name, Malik. And hi, Brian Holtwick. These individuals, when I tell you, it's not like they had me by the arm and showing me the way. Whatever they put on my desk, I read. 
And some things, they'd be like, you don't need to read that. I just need you to do X and Y, Z with this. But I read it because I wanted to understand what the hell it is I was putting together for you because I was trying to figure out a way on how I can get my agenda across. This is where you put the hustle in the process. And so this is the hustle that comes Mm -hmm. in the process. Mm -hmm. So me learning, you think you got me back here just doing calendaring and doing everything (laughs) for you, getting your soda, setting your meetings up. Mm -hmm. But I'm educating myself Mm -hmm. with this information. I watched this woman, Olga Stella, If you don't know who she is, she's a VP over at Creative Differences, and she's also the executive director of Design Core. But Mm -hmm. she started as a vice president at DGC. And when I tell you I watched this woman raise millions of dollars for programming inside of the DEGC, I said, well, let me help you with that. Let me take on the grant managing process. I took on the grant managing process because I had no experience in it. I wanted to understand how it worked, what goes into it, how you're able to acquire these. And hence now I'm fundraising for By Detroit and I'm able to get dollars in the door to support a program that's meant to support all of us who are minorities. This is why By Detroit focuses on Detroit suppliers, because, of course, we cannot focus on race. Anything in procurement cannot be based on race or anything around gender. Mm-hmm. However, did not say anything about geographical location. And and furthermore, as far as I'm concerned, it's like like we just talking about doing something called we were gonna be like, man, we're gonna do a black Detroit homecoming weekend. And they was like, man, just say black homecoming weekend because people know it's Detroit because this is a chocolate city. Yes, we're eighty four point three percent minority. So let let me ask you this question. Sell it now as we as we get into the close. What what is by Detroit? We've talked around it, yeah. But we haven't we haven't really birthed the baby to the Detroit is. So I'm gonna audience. do two things. I'm gonna okay. give you a synopsis as to what by Detroit is, and then I'm gonna also do this little marketing play for this event that we having. Please do for by Detroit. So by Detroit is a pro- procurement program, meaning buying and selling goods goods and services. Right? It's a procurement program that is focused on providing access to opportunities, whether they're large scale development projects or purchasing orders, like for a service of some sort. It also helps build the capacity. So if you look at bydetroit.org, no, it's www.degc, that's D-E-G-C.org, forward slash bydetroit, you'll see more information on bydetroit, how you can register in the portal. You have to, hence, be at least in business for two years. You have to be an existing business. You have to also be in compliance with the state of Michigan because in order for me to even get a conversation going with you, we have to make sure that your stuff is in order. So when we are putting together who you should be meeting with and structuring you with one-on-one meetings with buyers, you have to have everything in order. So that is what Buy Detroit is. What type of buyers will be there? So for the Marketplace Live event, which is going to take – place july 28th the application is actually open now if any business that are in automotive suppliers manufacturing and when i say manufacturing it is not manufacturing of cars it's not that you could be a food manufacturer clove manufacturer shoe manufacturer lipstick manufacturer that's considering manufacturing Um, Anyone in the education space, because Detroit Public Schools is looking for a lot of services for the education landscaping. We also looking for suppliers who can who actually already has an EV charging station that's available that they can either sell the replica of that to other automotive companies. And you can showcase that at this Marketplace Live event July 28th. But you have to qualify. So that means I need you to go right now. To that website, www.degc.org forward slash by Detroit and by Detroit is spelled B-U-Y-D-E-T-R-O-I-T and register for the Marketplace Live event. Here's the thing, though. You must be able to showcase to us that you're able to enter into a PO agreement for a minimum of 500K. So if you receive a follow-up to your application response asking you for financials, that is best practice consulting services that's trying to get in your business, <laughs> is what these businesses tell me. Say, y'all all up in my business want to know how much I'm making. No, it is for us to be able to just verify that you, in fact, have been doing purchasing orders. And if you have not, don't be ashamed that you have not. 
we can still figure out a way to get you connected to the right opportunity. Don't ever look like that one event is supposed to solve all of your problems. That is not the case. This one is specifically (laughs) meant for those existing businesses who need to be able to feed their families and having access to these different buyers. Come on now. We have buyers that are participating from a national scale, not just the state of Michigan buyers. Last year, we had the Meet the Buyer event. I had 101 buyers show up at Beacon Park to meet 56 small businesses. Hmm. So this year, we chose to take it a step up and make it much larger. Not going to share the location because in order for you to participate in it, you've got to be approved to participate so in give it. Give some, you know, people love names. Who are, who are some of the sexier buyers? The people. I am not going to name any of the sexier you know, buyers. You want to you pull at it. I can't because pull at it. no, because listen, the reason why I cannot name any buyers because as of right now, they have to be registered. They have ah. to apply. But I can tell you this: that's for us to verify if they really have real opportunities. That's to see if they're going to put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Because at this particular event, you know, you're not just show- showcasing yourself. If you got goods you want to sell, honey, you can sell it there. I like well. it. So that's that's good. So for people to know, it's like it's even a vetting process for the buyers. It's not like a buyers yeah. have an opportunity to window dress and act like, oh, we're doing something in Detroit now. And it's cool. No. And we're thinking about something. It's like, nah, you really are. We're looking at your books and we're making sure that Hilton Hotels, if you plan on buying towels from a small business, you really are about to buy talk to some small businesses that make towels. Yes. And you go to the towel maker and be like, hey, my G, can you really make $500,000 worth of towels? house <laughs> but this is where Kari this is where you have to do a partnership with somebody else mm-hmm. this is where businesses fall really short on where they think they need the whole contract no 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 <laughs> if you can only make $200,000 worth of tiles as Kari yeah. said and you know all things Detroit can make the other two hundred and fifty thousand, and then Kari can make the other fifty thousand dollars worth of worth of tiles. Why not formalize that into one response as an RFP, and y'all get the bag together? That's what I'm trying to showcase to businesses. You don't necessarily have to get everything yeah. by yourself, but partnerships is key. Hello, hence why Buy Detroit exists because I have a lot of partners, but. You have to figure out how to partner. You have to figure out how to elevate. You have to also figure out who are you talking to? Who is your demographics? Who you should be selling to? Is Detroit the right space where my business needs to be? Or do I need to go to Ohio or Chicago to fit in where they're doing much more than the city of Detroit? Or how do I get the city, the city of Chicago to purchase from me? Though, If those are questions you have, hello, that's why Kira is sitting in this space. Kira, you are amazing. I'm glad that uh, we had our, our guests in here to ear hustle that because the, the introduction was already sort of made. <laughs> uh, with that, I don't know if you want to give some contact information, but they know where to get you. <laughs> yes. So I can be reached at procurement. That's P-R-O-C-U-R-E-M-E-N-T at. That's the at symbol, not A-T, but the at symbol. D-E-G-C. That's David Edgar George Charlie dot org O-R-G. That's a direct email address to me, or you can give me a call at 313-237-4628. That is my direct line number at the DEGC. Don't let me regret this. Don't call me about anything that's very, very minute. Send that email if it's minute. If it's urgent, call the number, please. Now, you got to give me 48 hours to get back to you because Kira is Kira. Kira is all over the place, okay? Kira is running a program, building relationships, and attracting new buyers to come and purchase from y'all. You need so to find give out me about some time. Shea butter, uh, lemon. Uh, com- I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> send me a, send me an email, and I'm I'm even open to. I tell people if you want me to see something that you actually sell, send me a sample of it. You can mail it to DGC. DGC is right here off Griswold, 500 Griswold Street at the inside of the Guardian Building. That's in Detroit, Michigan, 48226. Send it there it's with a card, information on you. And I'll take a look at it. I can let you know what is missing. If you don't have the nutrition values on the back of your food products, I can call Michigan State University and say, hey, we have a business who's missing the nutrition facts. All you have to do is pay them $50 for them to have a counselor, and they'll coach you through that, put you through their program. So, like, if we can't help you at the DGC with whatever issue you have, that is my goal to turn you over to a different partner that can help you. That's big. That's big. Thank you so much. 
Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Curry. You were all in my business earlier. Yes, that's how all Detroit is different interviews. <laughs> but it gives only an onboard for people to understand the beauty of what you of of you and the brilliance of what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am me. I'm one of y'all. I don't come from, as you can see, a cookie cutter background. I'm oh. one of y'all. And in order for me to keep my job, I need you all to at least have the bare minimum. And if you don't, you know, Kia give you herself home to decide to help you get the bare minimum where you can be in good standing. You cannot be dissolved as a business. I mean, I have several existing businesses that I'm working with right now that are in brick and mortars that are dissolved. And we're got to help them with getting non-dissolved. It's just because if you don't know what you're supposed to do, please ask. No question is ever a stupid question. Yep. Ask. Yep. And and sometimes in business, it's going to be every every emotion you will have. Yes. But the one a, a staple in this that will hold you back is that fear and shame. Mm -hmm. You have to feel. I mean. Anybody that's in business that don't think they in sales is already lying to themselves. Yes. We all selling. Yes. You're gonna get a lot of no's before you get the yes. Hell, I was so told have no enough pride. For seven years for this program. I was yeah. told no for seven years for this program. And now yeah. it's a yes. And so it's not about how you start. That's why I think here uh Kari wanted to you guys to hear my background, hear where mm -hmm. I come from. It's not about where you start, it's about how you finish. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you had to hustle and, and sell whatever kind of keys you had to sell to get mm -hmm. to where you are. It's all about where you are now. How can we put things in place where it works for you now? How can you be able to sustain you and your family as a small business owner where you're not going to somebody's doors? Because, you know, we don't get, as small business owners, we don't get health insurance. No. We got to pay for that out of our pockets as mm -hmm. a small business owner. So it's about how do I maximize the space I'm in? How do I figure out that for me and my family? And if you want to know how to do just that, that is the purpose of a program like By Detroit. The way that it's designed, it is designed to help you at every stage that you're at. But you must be in business for a minimum of two years. Um, that's because we want to make sure you're existing. Um, but it's about us taking you from that space where you feel like, okay, I'm only making 30000 I'm only making ends meet, and I'm still in poverty as a business owner. No, we want to take you from that. And part of that is being able to expose you to different things that you may not have been exposed to. Haven't you had certain conversations with different programs? Haven't you had conversations with your peers? Because that foot traffic coming down Jefferson, coming down, let's say, Davidson, let's coming down Mound Road, whatever, it's not enough. Yeah, I agree. It is not enough. I agree. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Peace. Peace. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.